0: Hi, friends, it's Rachel from Candid Catholic Convos. And before we jump into today's episode, I just want to thank you for listening. Being able to minister to you in this way over the airwaves wherever you're listening has been such a joy for me, and I hope to be able to continue to do so long into the future. Because of your generous donations to the Catholic Communications Campaign over the years, we were able to produce and distribute more than 80 videos, 100 radio and podcast episodes. And over 1,000 social media messages last year, all spreading the love of Christ. That's huge. So if you found value in these ministries over the years, please consider supporting this year's Catholic Communications Campaign at hbgdiocese.org slash ccc or By dropping your donation in the collection basket at Mass on June 18th, so we can continue to provide services across the Diocese for everyone to enjoy. Now, let's get right to it. Welcome to Candid Catholic Convos, a program brought to you by the Catholic Diocese of Harrisburg. and step fully into the person God created you to be, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Candid Catholic Convos. It's fitting that we're talking about this on Father's Day. Has anyone else noticed an increase in stories of families with young children feeling like they aren't welcome in their own parish? Picture this with me for a minute. It's Sunday morning. The pews are filling up, mass is starting, and in the back of the church, out of tune and offbeat, you hear a toddler wailing, followed by the immediate shushing of a parent and the dropping of a few hymnals from a preschooler. You try not to stare, but it's hard not to. The priest is doing his thing, and you're trying to pay attention, but you can see this little family struggling. Eventually, they get up and shuffle off to the narthex, where. Behind closed doors, you see the same toddler playing on the floor, their cries mostly muffled, and their mother lets out a deep sigh of defeat. You've just witnessed a millisecond of that parent's day. The rest of it was probably filled with similar antics, but in the comfort and privacy of their own home. Does this sound familiar? Maybe you've seen it? Maybe it's been you. For the record, that's me. Nearly every time I take my circus of a family to Mass. It can be defeating to feel all those eyes on you, silently judging, making you feel like a burden because your child can't sit still, they're loudly complaining how long Mass is, and then feeling exiled to the narthex so your family doesn't disturb others. It makes sense that you'd rather not go because your children are unpredictable, right? But didn't Jesus say, Let the little children come to me? I get it. Christian parenting is hard. It's not just the sleepless nights or the early mornings or the coffee that's been reheated 17 times because you forgot to drink it. It's patching up boo boos and watching them learn to trust and sending them off to school. It's an incredible roller coaster of emotions on a minute by minute basis. And somewhere in there, We need to introduce them to Jesus, to show them the way of our faith, and to teach them how to be children of God. I often find myself wringing my hands while praying to Mary. How? How did you do this? How can I be more like you? I'm sure as a baby, Jesus cried or spat up, probably broke his best pair of sandals on more than one occasion, or dirtied his clothes right before a big event, I mean, it's even documented that he took off without telling her to go preach in the temple and he was barely a teenager. And he didn't have access to a cell phone or video games or he ever got behind the wheel of a car. So what hope is there for parents trying to raise little disciples, little saints in today's society? To help answer this, I've asked fathers Tim and Kyle Sod, brothers in a family with not one not two, but three priestly vocations to give me some practical 21st century tips on how to encourage Catholic families living in today's society. Hold up. Stop. You guys look very similar. I mean, I know you're brothers, but are you
1: twins?
2: Yeah.
0: No way. Yes. That is cool. That is very cool. You know, it would really surprise me if you said your other brother, who's also a priest, is like the third of a set of triplets. He's well, not. There's,
1: <laughs> there's no way he would claim that. No.
0: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, thank you guys for joining me. I'm really excited to thank
1: you, have you on. Thank Candy you, Rachel.
0: The Tell me a little bit about yourselves, how, you know, how you found your vocation? What what kind of led you to, to want to be a priest?
2: Well, I often thought that uh, in first and uh, second grade and sixth grade, as uh, Tim and I were both confirmed in sixth grade, that uh, the priesthood often, you know, it came through my memory, but uh, it was only really after uh, college and while I was teaching at York Catholic that uh, you know, I realized that I loved teaching, but maybe the Lord was calling me to something else. You know, uh, Tim and I uh, both uh, grew up in Columbia, Pennsylvania, in Lancaster County, and we went to Holy Trinity uh, Catholic Church and school, and um, we also attended uh, Lancaster Catholic. And then, after Lancaster Catholic, I went to Bloomsburg University and got a uh, degree in secondary education, uh, social studies. So I taught at York Catholic for a number of years, seven years before entering seminary. But uh, we're one of, uh, Tim and I are one of uh, four uh, siblings. And uh, and so you know, we grew up in a very, very good house, mom and a dad and uh, four brothers. And so um, you know, it was a very, very good house we uh they taught us how to pray you know uh there mealtime prayers uh bedtime prayers but i was going to say it's not like we were uh, i'm sorry to interrupt in
1: your story Kyle um, that's okay father, father uh but uh you know it's not like we were like um uh like holy rollers i would say it's not like we know, were a lot of families a lot of families do awesome things like they pray the rosary together every night or well, you know, we didn't really do that. We were really just involved in the life of the church. Uh, and obviously we prayed. And with our grandmother, she would take us to daily mass. I think uh, when we slept over at her house, she get us up at like five thirty in the morning to go to mass. And, you know, I, I don't think it wasn't like that prayer. early, Tim. Well, <laughs> well, he's, he's my fact checker. Just, just so everyone knows. Uh, he always says that I expand the truth a little bit. And I probably do, but, um, uh, yeah, she would get us up early, and I don't think we enjoyed that, but we loved going to Mass with her and then going out to breakfast with the ladies, uh, her lady friends, and they'd only tip like 25 cents or 10 cents. Um, so we were horrified by that. But like it was growing up just living in the life of the church with prayer that we – I, I can speak for myself, and I know my brother can too – that it, that was the um, – we had joy we saw joy in the, in the parish life Um, with our parents, um, with our grandmother, especially, I know I can say that. I'm sure Kyle can too, with the priests that we had, Um, the priests who were there, you know, um, the awesome role models that they were, and they were all different. You know, some of them, some of them were a little rough around the edges and some of them were, or just joyful. Um, But all of them like, took interest in families, took interest in us. And so, like, we had an introduction to the church that was really good, even if it was not perfect. So, um, and there was joy there. So I can can say for me, that was where I kind of first thought of the church, and I think Kyle, too, in our family and in the life of the parish.
2: Yeah, and I would have to agree with uh, Tim that, uh, you know, we didn't do a lot of prayer at home, outside of mealtime prayer and uh, bedtime prayer, but, you know, the church, we were always encouraged to help out with uh, Christmas decorating. Uh, we were part of the Holy Name Society. Dad would go and he would bring us and we would sit there and listen to the, you know, listen to the meeting. We couldn't say anything because we were too young, you know, and Grandma, of course, you know, she would always be willing to take us to Mass, daily Mass, And pray in the Rosary beforehand, and then after Mass, pray in the Divine Mercy Chaplet. So, and also, uh, but at the you know in the home, it it was really revolved around the life of the church, you know, and uh, being, um, you know, always around the church, or you know, serving Mass for funerals during the summer. The sister would call us, etc. So, you know, we were always around uh, the life of the church, which was always so very good, but. As Tim said, we weren't, uh, you know, uh, we didn't do that much in the home outside of uh, the the prayers before meals and uh, bedtime prayers. Outside of getting yelled at, things like that. Yeah. We got Normal. a lot. Got Normal a boy stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that. And that, that brings back some memories because I remember staying over at my grandmother's house and like, if we stayed over on a Saturday night, then Sunday morning, we were like absolutely getting up, going to mass, sitting in the first pew too so i love and i love that the way you described is um because i feel like some especially nowadays with the influence of uh catholic social media influencers that they make it like like you have to be perfect like you have to be doing all these things to influence your children and i love what you guys said about how it's it's experiencing the family aspect of the church and doing things as a family. Like we used to go to the parish picnics, help out with the parish picnics, or my mom used to volunteer to wash the linens that they used on the chalices um, because lipstick stains would always cause a problem. Would you Would you say it's fair to say that the what influenced you most was just the family dynamic and the family influence uh, as it relates to the Catholic church?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think... I think for and this is Father Tim Sod. I think um, that our family's involvement and our mom and dad's push to kind of get us involved in the parish. So, like, they wanted us to live our life as Catholics, but maybe they didn't. Uh, maybe my mama always is always, always saying she was Lutheran and she converted when um, she married my dad, and she's you know she always has a ton of questions. And my dad has a ton of questions. I think maybe they thought, well, we don't know how to perfectly do this. So let's just get involved in the church, have them do that to help around the the church whenever there's need. And, and we always got like shoved over there to do stuff. And I, I was so grateful that we did because we enjoyed it. We actually loved it. And we got to know other people, um, older people, younger people. And um, but it, if it wasn't for our parents just doing that, and, and like, like we said, they, they weren't exactly like... Um, St. Anne and, you know, you know, and, uh, you know, it was just. Or like
0: Zellie Martin and all them. Yeah,
1: which is which is wonderful, which is beautiful. But not every family is that. But, you know, the the parish should be the place where that happens and helps families do that. As a pastor, I, I know that's what my goal is, but I think that's what it was for us. And our parents just kind of directed us there. And we were lucky that they were kind of plugged in there, too.
2: And every family is different, you know, every family has different backgrounds and, uh, you know, and so I think we just need to encourage in any way possible, you know, many, you know, some families are very learned, and some families uh, pray the rosary every day, and that's so very beautiful, you know, and we don't want to deny that in the least, you know, and some families, um, you know, so I think it's just uh, every family is different. But I think just an encouragement in the life of the church is what brought me to the faith. You know, it brought me to a deeper relationship with God. It is through my involvement in the life of the church, you know, but everybody comes at a different angle, you know, and I think we need to respect it. And I think we need to, you know, encourage any way possible.
0: Absolutely. It's very important because everybody, everybody experiences it in a different way. So it's about bringing your own personal background into it. Speaking of background, you, it sounds like you both didn't start, like you didn't graduate college and immediately go into seminary. Did you both have careers ahead of time? And what, what kind of directed you towards the vocation of becoming a priest? Did did your childhood and your upbringing in the church have any influence over that? Or what, what would you say guided you back to this vocation?
2: I think what guided me, uh, this is Father Kyle Saad. I think what guided me uh, to be formed and uh, to, to the priesthood is truly all of that, you know, all of that, which we just spoke about the life about uh, our parents helping us to encouraging us to get involved in the life of the parish uh our relationship with uh, our parents and grandma and also really our uh teacher in elementary school sister anna she was truly she taught us very at a very early age about the church saints our blessed mother you know she taught us how to pray different prayers um, and also, she encouraged that to take it home into the life of the family as well. And so, she really encouraged me in my vocation very early on. Uh, I thought about um, a priesthood in second grade whenever I received Holy Communion, and then again in sixth grade when I received confirmation. But it really didn't come until after I was teaching at York Catholic that uh, God was really uh, drawing me. To a deeper relationship with Him, even though I loved teaching.
1: For me, it was, um, and I agree, Sister Anna, um, she's wonderful. Uh, just this weekend, Father Rich Groff was ordained a priest, and he had his Mass of Thanksgiving at our home parish. He's from our, he's from Holy Trinity in Columbia too, and he said, Sister Anna, she she's responsible for a lot of priests who are here today, and and I agree, a whole. Uh, a lot about that shes she's no priest is responsible for the faith in Columbia more than sister is. I would say for me, um, after college, I worked in Washington as a political writer and analyst for 10, nine years and and I loved that. I loved covering politics, I loved analyzing politics, and I loved frankly I love washington d c it's an awesome city it's it's not a big city it's a bunch of small towns, and so I really enjoyed that it wasn't intimidating to me. But after I was there for nine years, I just thought I love this, but just something—I'm just not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. It just doesn't feel right. Not that I didn't like it again; and I was joyful there, I was happy there. But I just what's what? Something else? I should be doing something else. I know what I should do. I should go back and work in our family business, and we have a family business in Columbia. It's a scrapyard, um, and our family has run it since the mid, uh, the early 1940s. So um, I thought I'll do that. You know, we can provide, can have a family be able to provide for it. Uh, by working there and, you know, work with my family. And I loved that. I worked there for a couple of years and went back and bought a house in Lancaster and worked in our family business. And I really enjoyed that. But again, after a couple of years, I thought something just doesn't feel right. Not that I don't enjoy this, but I just feel like I'm called to something else. And I never really asked God what he made me for until that point, because I kind of felt helpless. Um, And I felt a call to the priesthood and I'll tell you being with my brother and seeing how my brother Kyle enjoyed the seminary life and with the classmates that he had. I I remember particularly Father Kevin Coyle, but if I I just remember the priest that he was uh, studying to be a priest, or seminarians who he was studying to be a priest with, I understood that you could be a normal person and have normal likes, dislikes, joys, weaknesses, whatever. And that really appealed to me too. So a combination of all of that, not understanding, uh, not, not really following the path that I always thought would make me happy, and it didn't fulfill me, whether it was working D.C. or working back in our family business, and then seeing how my brother and his friends lived as seminarians studying for the priesthood, it really made me, all of that together, really helped come to the decision, and then finally opening up and listening to what God had planned for me. It really I went into the seminary and I felt joy. I honestly I can say this. I felt joy immediately in the, the vocation from that point. Now not every day is joyful, not every day's happy, but I can say that I feel fulfilled in a way that I never did in any other previous job that I always thought I was made for.
2: Yeah, and um as Tim was saying, uh in addition to uh you know, the life there in the seminary In 2001, our brother Chris was ordained a priest in the Diocese of Scranton, and I remember that ordination day, I'll never, ever, 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 ever forget it. It was because that day, I remember uh, being being very emotional and crying throughout the entire ordination mass. Yes, so did I. And I didn't know why until after and i was oh my gosh maybe the lord is calling me to be a priest you know seeing the joy that our brother chris had uh, on the day of his ordination i think really also helped me to understand that maybe the lord is calling me to be a priest i forgotten
1: completely about that but you're exactly right kyle that was so strange in the way i think we both i mean we were both adults at that point (laughs) we were both working and and i was just i was kind of thrown off by it but that's exactly right
2: yeah and i i wasn't sad no and i couldn't i couldn't express why i was crying you know i i was confused about it myself but, but then i realized maybe the lord is calling me
0: that's really beautiful i love that it wasn't like an instantaneous thing like you guys tried other things and and you were just like something just doesn't feel right and then it brings you back to that moment of the, like that moment at your brother's ordination of like this is seeing how happy he is and like how beautiful of a moment that is it's just like I love that God just he doesn't actually like shove us towards anything but he will drop some serious hints and then when we pick up on those hints is when like puzzle pieces just come together and I think that that is absolutely awesome I think that that's and I think
2: cool you're right you're right Rachel and I think we need to be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit and ask the Lord to give us direction, you know, whenever he gives us those hints, because he will reveal his will to us. But I think oftentimes we don't realize that he is revealing his will to us in those small little moments, and they can quickly pass and we never think about them again. But um, you're right. He always, he always asks, he always gives us uh, his will for us in those small little moments, but we need to connect the dots, but we need his help to connect the dots, you know?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. His help, the Holy Spirit. We need that whole team. It's a team effort. (laughs) I love that you guys talked about how your family got you really involved um, in church, And some of the things that I struggle with as a parent is that the Catholic faith is built upon some pretty heavy concepts. I mean, the crucifix alone is a a beautifully heavy concept that many adults even have trouble grasping. So how do we introduce the Catholic faith in a way that kids can understand? Or um, better yet, how can we respond to questions that we don't have the answers to?
1: I think before we show... Like people have a ton of questions and I'm not, I'm not dismissing. I'm I'm not writing off the fact that we answer them, but I think before we show, um, before we get to the head, you have to get to the heart. And I don't always think we do that and I don't do it well. We're so well, I think the church has answers. I mean, you look at the catechism, the church has answers for, for questions, um, but a lot of times people aren't looking, f- when they ask a question, they're not necessarily asking to, to. they they know the answer. I think what they're looking for is like, and Pope Francis is right on this, like, are we willing to walk with them? You know, is is the church willing to walk with them? Are we open to like investing in relationships? Are we open to investing even people who might fall outside of, what one might consider a good Catholic, you know, is there is such a thing. So I think how, how do we reach out to people? We let them know that we, that after the model of our heavenly father, that we love them and we desire to be with them. And I think the church for a long time has been the building where people come, but I think that time has passed. I think now it's the church is, the open arms, but also one that goes out and lets people know that Christ is inviting them, no matter their circumstances, for transformation. And we have to, especially as priests, but also as lay people, um, especially lay people, they have they have the bigger job, but they're, they're able to go to places that I can't. When you go into uh, places, your workplaces or your school, like, People need to know that Catholics are willing to have a relationship and talk and not just spit back technical answers, which we do have i don't think I don't think it's that all the way um, and maybe Kyle disagrees with me. I don't think that it's an answer of well, if they just knew the answer, they'd be Catholic. I think it's more how can we, in love and after we've built a relationship, communicate the answer in a way that doesn't draw people away, but brings them closer to him. Um Because I think for too long, people think, and I don't know whose fault this is inside or outside the church. I think people think that they can't approach the church if they're not perfect. And I think to me, the best thing about the church is it's a, it's a place for the imperfect to be made perfect, but you have to, we have to be open to that. Um So I think to me, that's young or old. Are we willing to take the time to invest in relationships so that we can we can walk with them, letting them know that we, too, suffer from the same things that maybe they do?
2: I think, uh, you know, I agree. I think we need to be loving toward them and to walk with them. But what is law? love but um, compassion but truth, mm-hmm. you know? And there's a way to walk with people. Encouraging transformation, encouraging conversion, and uh, because why else would we follow Christ if we didn't desire conversion, you know? And so I think we need to talk about the joy of following Christ, you know, in the midst of its struggles, and be able to, you know, walk with them, even if it's going to be a long time. You know, oftentimes, you know, you'll see people at mass and I do this too. You know, you see people at mass and you wave to them and you say, you know, uh, we'll see you next week. Well, you didn't build a relationship with them. You know, the Lord is asking all of us to have an encounter with others, you know, to share our joy with others. And so I think uh, Tim is right. You know, it's all about relationship because relationship, we have a relationship with Christ. You know, ultimately. And if we don't have a relationship with others, how can we experience the relationship that Christ desires us to have with Him?
0: We've unfortunately run out of time, but if you'd like to hear the rest of this episode, you can listen to us anytime on Spotify under Candid Catholic Convos, or you can download this episode from our website at hbgdiocese.org. Thank you so much for listening. Our goal at the Diocese of Harrisburg is to walk with you on your faith journey. So if this episode resonated with you in any way, the easiest way to show your appreciation is by sharing this program with your network or by leaving a review on your listening platform. You can also support us financially by making a donation online at hbgdiocese.org slash DAC and clicking
2: the make a donation button. Thanks again, and we'll see you at church on Sunday.